she's looming out of bed, mm-hmm. sitting in her desk, and then you know it's it's very. It, I feel that the the energy stuck in her is so like the children. They have so much energy. They want to explore. They want to go out and socialize. And what kind of it's really happening their energy, creativity, and laugh, and, you know, being a child. So, But do you think the children has adapted to working remotely now, or is it working for educational purposes, you think? or I think for educational purposes, I mean, this is kind of um, interim. First of all, I think it's this fast track of digitalization will actually mm. test our capacity to, well, both just sit with your computer, but also when you have a teacher, I mean, you have to have scalable individual learning. So I'm an um, expert advisor to Sana Labs, and that's right, really so when I see her. In I know some people there, by the way. So great, yeah, they're great, great people. Yeah, great people. Um, but I mean, now it's pushing their needs. So mm. they will, of course, see that they were on their phones and see the the frictionlessness and the tailorization and so then then they're just sitting in front of one teacher trying to handle Mm. 25 students with different needs so it's one way pushing them uh, to get more digitalized but also the gap between the Mm. public service and what they're experiencing in their own world with their their friends. So and I think Sana Labs is, you know, is a great topic. I think we should speak a bit more we should, about we, that. We, we parked that. Yeah. But I, my 14-year-old, um, so he is also now doing homeschooling or mm. whatever you want to call it. Mm. And we live in Lambda. And I had this conversation with him uh, uh, yesterday. You know, we're sitting at home working and I'm, I'm in, my, in my teleconference. He's, on, he's on, on, on the lowest floor. And then I came down like, you know, and I, you know, how, how is this going, you know? Yeah. And then he said something that I think was quite uh, important. For me, this is going great. Ultimately, he is very self-motivated. Mm. And basically, I've had teachers even in the past who basically highlighted, this is your goals for this week. And then he can manage that. Mm. But then I said, and, and how is it in the whole class, uh, Oliver? Uh, for me, it's great. But I'm not sure everybody can manage to stay focused or have the discipline mm. to... Um, be accountable for their own learning, so to speak. So this whole accountability around learning, which I think you have to have on the child, it comes to the essence right now. Mm-hmm. So right. have you thought about that? If, if um, is your children are they adapting well? Do they function well? Perfectly, always. <laughs> you know, all of them. But I think it's for some children it will be easier, and for some children they, they will have. Of course, level. but they're. I would say they're impatient yes. because they see the, as I said, the gap between yeah. what they. The, the digital environment they're in socializing and now they're but I mean it's uh, th- what I thought about it's two things because uh, research has shown that you know what we developed from history's beginning like the censoring mm-hmm. of just the reptile or our brain protecting ourselves and, and sensing fear or sensing who who would be attacking me or not or what kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. how how can i fool you or whatever sense we have inherited so so researchers that show that you when you have a screen your sensors have to work so much more because you can't really touch upon these nuances mm-hmm. so after these digital meetings the the research report show that that it's taking so much more energy 
So maybe that's why she's fatigued. Maybe it's not only that she's just a child wanting to play soccer and be with her friends. It's it's all of the the energy that goes to just being a human. Mm, yeah. Uh, such an uh, interesting topic. But before we <laughs> proceed too long into that, uh, and uh, let us uh, welcome you here, Anna. So Fellander. nice to be here. <laughs> and nice I must here. say, I'm very glad that you can ca- come here. You know, I, I think I I mentioned the article, Nature article, that you have been co- co-authoring, you know, so many times. And uh, we need to talk about that as we, well. We sh- certainly should speak about that as soon as yesterday, actually. And, and I mentioned that you will. When be are you going to talk today or some other day? No, with you. Uh, that's oh. why we need two hours because we have so many <laughs> topics we want to. We'll see talk if we get there. We probably. <laughs> and we're just hanging out and drinking yes. some. Yeah. Bubbling. Bubbly. Yeah. yeah. And of course, bubbly because Goran is turning 40 tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, nice one, uh, Goran. Uh, so yeah, so we, we, have, we have jumped beyond the beer to the bubbly today. So it's so many, many reasons to be happy today. For one, to have you here. Secondly, to have Goran turning um, a bit, uh, yeah, not as young, but younger, still young. Younger. younger. younger yeah, may, maybe. And also it's the season uh, opening. Yeah, season opening. In, in this year. Which the second season now. Second wow. Second season. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's awesome. But perhaps we, we should start with a quick background, you know, for people that don't know who you are, how would you describe yourself? Um, so I'm an economist from mm-hmm. uh, Stockholm School of Economics and I, 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 I find my path be very um, driven by curiosity. And I, I was standing uh, cooking dinner yesterday and I remember it's something about turning 40 and the years after that, recle- reflecting on your childhood. Goran is the youngest person here, I think. Yeah, so we're like, <laughs> let us tell you about <laughs> yeah. aging. But what did you say before finally he can, now life starts, right? When you heard <laughs> he turning 40. <laughs> Exhaling. Anyway, so <laughs> I, I was thinking about what, you know, when girls are in teenage groups and they go out and party and there was this girl being pretty annoyed at me because she was always ask. She was annoyed because I always ask questions. It's like, what is it about you that makes you want to figure that out or know that it was in a bad way? So I was like, but it's a stubbornness because then, then being so old, uh, I reflect on my <laughs> career. Mm. There is a red thread. So Stockholm School of Economics, homogeneous. So I wanted to be in the border between uh, politics and economy. So right. political economy, that's like mm. I found my topic. I studied in the U.S., Found, found a passion for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I, um, when I started the, the Ministry of um, Finance, mm-hmm. I was actually put on tasks that made me uh, detect where models and um, forecasting methods didn't capture things. Mm-hmm. So it's so super early. I, I, I had like uh, the the lens of screening things for what was not seen behind the surface. And then the financial crisis burst. 
So I was sitting just before the crisis at the. Um, uh, what year was this? Two thousand seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Yeah. No, two thousand and eight. Eight. Yeah. Um, and I, we were sitting with the the macroeconomic forecasting tools, mm. and we were programming and using those different tools to help us forecast more. And there were not even intuitively someone saying that there's uh, something wrong here. Um, so then the bubble burst. And then... Uh, let me just double check. Mm. At this, t- this time you were working in the Swedish uh, Ministry of Finance? or Yes. So I've, yep. I've been working there then for eight years. Yep. Um, um, and then, then I was sent uh, because the, due to the tsunami... And the way that the Swedish government handled crisis, they put the um, crisis management coordination office just below the the prime minister, and that was Reinfeldt. I started the Ministry of Finance with at Panudes. So oh, right. no, 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 sorry, Pustering Home, and then Panudes, and and then um, Andersborg. Yeah. But anyway, they put the the crisis coordination, crisis management coordination office just straight straight under um, Reinfeldt's office, right. and the financial crisis. So the crisis management they didn't know how to handle like economic and financial crisis. So the TED spreads were unknown whether that was indicating what. So it was a like a learning curve for them. Anyway, so I I, I was at the uh, the crisis management coordination office and doing uh, investigating and and stress testing the the Swedish bank in the Baltic states Mm -hmm. because a devaluation would need actually that the Swedish bank would would go bankrupt but anyway there was a, a security aspect of it so so when it comes to the analysis, it was from a, a security and, and geopolitical mm. um, point of view combined with the, mm. the economic and the financial analysis. So I, I, I've been, there's two things that I, so far was in my, the red th- thread, finding what was not seen and being in the borderline of, of, of gray areas between two, uh, Domains. Okay. Domains, yeah. Finance and politics. Right. And then then I was um, then I was interested in the banks because I've been then I worked for the Swedish government in ten years. So I was curious at the the and I stress tested the banks. So the banks were kind of and, and what do you mean stress testing? Can you just elaborate a bit more what that means? Oh so so that would be like what if the if the currency would devaluate that much, what would that mean in terms of uh, income and EBITDA, like all the financial terms you stressed us from what if um, um, what if unemployment for, for a government what if employment would rise this much and pub the I mean and when the income rates, stre- yeah. stress different scenarios mm. to see if the balance sheet holds Right. Mm. And, and you had like simulations of that? Or did you actually interact with the banks directly in some way? Or how did you do the stress test? D- yeah. The stress test, that is, um, so that is um, finance inspection then. Yeah. Uh, but you also have to stress test for other uh, not traditional scenarios. And that's why you have to like think 
um, broader. Yeah. But I didn't stress test the bank by myself. But it's mm. the way that you read the you you read the banks and you read the stress test and then you apply a more broader area to it. Mm. Anyway, mm. so I started at Swedbank, and then five a couple of years. Then I was um, head of. Um, macro research and then chief economist and and what i found there was like the this is 2012 ish or what year this is, is 2014 maybe 14. Hmm. um and then so w working at, at having the position i was really privileged that was mickey wolf and his team seeing the importance of broadening the the bank's macro analysis so hmm. i so, so when you're at a bank, I was sitting at the tra trading floor, and then you have all these men using the the analysts. Did you say men deliberately saying it's not women there, or what do you mean? No, it's very male dominated, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and so, so you would have like um, the the traders um, with with client um, accounts. Uh, bringing some of the analysts to them to make them want to somehow invest or buy or trade. And then the only thing that they were, the analysts were, were giving the clients were the cyclical movements. Right. Periodical trends in some way. Yeah. yeah. And then what I realized that there's something ha happening in under the surface. So mm -hmm. there's structural changes. Mm -hmm. And the structure, I mean, globalization had been going on and, you know, urbanization had been going on, but digitalization was something that, you know, we'd had the digitalization and robotization that was kind of something that we, that we like kind of closed the box and just. You didn't really take those considerations into the macro models. Exactly. It was something happening and it wasn't much of... So the feeling is under the surface, there is a something huge going on and we are not really looking at it when we are de giving, doing analysis. Right. But I saw it was affecting the macroeconomic terms because like inflation, when you measure inflation, you measure per unit cost. Mm -hmm. And the way that Spotify did their business model is, is subscription. So you didn't capture productivity and you didn't capture the the price pressure downwards. So all of a sudden with, with new business models that are not captured in the old models because it's a subscription model, yeah. under the surface there's something else going on. Right. So, But okay. that was just an example and yeah. I did a, a productivity because I said, well, if we don't measure productivity the mm. way we should, then... We're not handling the monitoring, especially the or, or the fiscal policy, mm. uh, in the right way. So we we kind of create a lot of uh, inequalities in in macroeconomic mm. terms. Then, um, so I, I I really did the unconventional thing with just um, being close to the tar startup scene and being early advisor to the to the government in these. Uh, issues, but also engaging in in research because that was the only like I didn't get the the research team were on the cyclical, so I stood there and I I, I just there was so much fun going on and I wanted to re so I reached out, out out to the academy or the universities and that yeah. it was really fun to be in all of these different buckets like 
government policies, startups, even the bank was transforming also with new regulation and partnership and being innovative in in a really silos environment and testing that out and then the the large company trying to to not be a commodity provider by the end of the day having you know large loans on their balance sheet am i boring you no i'm thinking about the next topic so that's why i'm, I'm very eager <laughs> you to interrupt say, you i mean you you have to tell me if i'm boring you if this was like a social event which is it you could yeah. be like I I just need to go to the restroom. So I'll see you. <laughs> But now you're stuck Certainly with me. Certainly not, uh, because I'm, I'm I'm biting my tongue not to interrupt you. That's why. Uh, But that's great. I'm writing it up so I can bring it up later. Can I just can I just yes. close my red Please. thread in my career, career yes. so we can start talking about the things you want to talk about? But then, so that's like the thing that I wanted to measure what was not measured. Mm. And I wanted to see what was not captured with traditional tools and methods. Yeah. Then, where I'm at now, then, then I was affiliated to the Royal Institute of Technology and I was in the advising, still advising the government. I went to, into some AI startup boards and, and then I was also the, a senior advisor at Boston Consulting Group. Right, yeah. They, that's an interesting group that's to speak so, about. That's yeah. so interesting because like, It's funny how you would drive the AI ethics in a consultancy firm. But, but, but what's, what's the connection now? Because you, you work with oh, this yeah. and, and how do you now make the connection right. from, from the bank and, and this red thread yeah. to Thank how you. did you get into AI and how do you yes. get AI into Perfect. Why do you, why do you start this? Yeah, because it was something that I was seeing was like, again, halting. Like the the I say the the coin of AI when you just do the the tech side of the coin and you kind of rush into seductive profits. It's like the trade off between accuracy and explainability. So it's just they, they the the corridors. And this is I want to talk about an anecdote. The anecdote. Anecdote. Yeah. Anecdote. Mm-hmm. But it's so important to me because this is where. Like I get, that's crazy where I get some energy because I was going, I had, I have this affiliation at KTH. I know that the AI ethic topics was gonna, I read about it and I studied it and I had this this feeling that, because my affiliation was, I think I was the first macroeconomist at KTH. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of questions because mm-hmm. my, my, And my which part of KTH was that? Um, so it was um, um, Matti Karl, Karl, so Industrial Economy, but I was very close to the Nietzsche's oh, yeah. group. So the Nietzsche really, um, she really included me in her group. So with that group, I kind of tested uh, my developed um, pitfalls. So I said, hey, This is where you guys think there's bias, there's machine bias and data bias. But what if you look at it from this perspective? What would the pitfalls be then? And then I stress tested them. No, but I kind of vetted them with with Danica's team. And then I went to present this. And then the, a larger group of AI professors, highly prestigious, We're sitting around the table and 
I was super enthusiastic because I thought it's so good that we can start talking about transparency. Oh, again, sorry. The, the, the corridors of the AI professors were suddenly just clogged and investors were just, they had money, they have attention. And so they didn't want to know anything about their accountability in their research or how to make it transparent. So. So it sounds like someone coming in and asking uncomfortable questions. Very uncomfortable. And yeah. also because like saying that I would come from a bank, that's saying like uh, my, my passion lies in uh, the borderlines and I don't want to be defined by anything uh, or a mother. I want to be defined as, but, <laughs> but so they, they, they were, I triggered something in them that was so, it was so obvious that I touched a point. A raw nerve. A raw nerve. The same day I went, this was in October 2016, Google's DeepMind just opened their first ethical and societal unit, they called it. Her name was Brittany Smith, and she just opened this and launched this. I went to her, and I wanted to have an hour with her. I got an hour. I presented the, the pitfalls, and, and I, I looked at her face, and I said, and I realized because they had the a open AI initiative and they had everything and they claimed to do fair AI. And I realized they hadn't done the work that we've done, that I've initiated. So then the way that I categorize it and talked about it from a more systematic approach, I, I'm onto something. And then everything just rolled. And like a year after, everyone talked about AI ethics. So, so being that curious and itching something on someone that is uncomfortable. But, but I just want to understand what was the, when was the first interaction that you, when you started getting into the rabbit hole of AI? Because here is a little bit like we, we have now rolled forward to you have almost systematically thought we need to think about and talk about bias. But do you remember as an anecdote, what is your first experience in, in trying to lift? When was the first time you lifted the hood and started looking into AI and this topic? Because now you explained what had been bubbling in your head in terms of systematically thinking about bias and eth ethics and stuff like that. But what got you on the train the very, very first time? Do you remember that? Where, when did AI because come? I knew, because I knew it would be the next general purpose technology. Because it came from this, your, your conversation. Yes, but, but it would not have come, if I understand what you said, because you, you were in the, your, your traders were following the, 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 the cyclical approach and you said, this is something else. I need to follow other uh, structural, structural fundamental underlying drivers here. Yeah. And how I see the startup scene now, there's things here that I can get a better understanding for fundamental new drivers that is not captured here. So I guess entering into the startup scene, you see, oh, this is a general technology like no one else that is popping up. I, I, I'm just assuming now. Uh, is that how it worked? Is it in entering into the uh, startup scene, finding AI tech, so to speak, here or... Or when did you get on the AI fundamental? When did you realize that this was the next general technology? Because that is not open to but everyone in 2016. It's like, what would be, if you look at general purpose technology, what is becoming exponent or the other way around? What is 
drast- what is it that is this drastically reduced cost of? Mm-hmm. So Prediction I always yeah. I yeah. always come from the macroeconomic yeah, yeah. perspective uh, predictions. Mm. So, so you so with your macro head on always that pres- then you, and you look the, now at the, the new tech and then you saw holy shit this type of tech will have fundamental huge impact. Yeah and also zero marginal cost if you read that book yeah. early on because I was deep into the sharing economy and the business model there and exploring mm. the labor market and wage creation how that would be you know yeah. the Swedish welfare model how that would be challenged and stuff. So I always looked at it from a pricing and that when we come into the the report the 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 distribution between capital and labor mm. and how that polarizes a society. And uh, then here you see no a general technology that will have impact on these fundamental fundamentals. Is that how? Right. So th- if you uh, you asked me and then when I said that what is it with this that is drastically reduced cost of that's what where I started and that's what I realized that it, this is going to change everything. Yeah. This is going to change every this is the new general purpose technology and there are three ways Was this with Danisha or when did is it before happen? That exactly. What is the trigger that you? Because we um, can I stop you for a second? So can somebody explain who is Danitza? Yeah, who is Danitza and what is drastically reduced cost? Mm-hmm. I mean, like I think there are things that I, I I'm not an ec- economist in this way. So I think it's it's you have a background which are extremely interesting because you have another hat on when you start looking at this. But uh, I don't really understand. I'm not really understanding what's you know what this drastically reduce cost for you maybe it's obvious no but i think this is another topic that we could mention because i i wrote you know the, the prediction machine and aya agdeval and actually exactly. speak about these things and drastically reducing costs so i think this is a topic we should dig deeper into this soon. is huge if, because um, people don't get yeah, this uh, th- we need to explain what this means but i think we can do that shortly but just to to answer your question who is danitsha do, do you want to take it or should i give it a quick introduction danitsha kragic she's yeah. a pro- ai professor at everyone knows her right she's a star i mean she's she also has a wonderful personality and yeah. she's an style icon um the, mm. the whole entire nation So she's, she's one, one of the, of the top, senior, um, top professors in KTH. Yeah, and yeah. she's actually one of the top researchers in Sweden, know, I would say. Yeah. In, yeah. And what is her field? AI. AI, uh, robotics. AI, robotics. AI robotics. robotics. Yeah, more, perhaps more robotics. 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 More yeah. robotics. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what What you have to, when uh, being in this, not no, the, the oh, being in, in, in coming to academia, uh, there's a lot of, so I'm going to step on someone's toes now. Please the, do. There's a lot of um, prestige and Danica is the most brilliant and has no prestige. So she's like fearless. She doesn't care. That's why she's bro- so brilliant. That's like for, for, uh, turning 40. <laughs> now you don't need to care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you lose all your prestige now. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> she's so brilliant and she doesn't want to play the game of the protectionist um, yeah. Uh, culture at university. I, I, I'm, I, I, I. No one is listening at right. So no, no. I'm lucky we're. Just You're lucky. Alone. There's no one listening. That's good. <laughs> that's no, but she's, she's, uh, she's an, she, she is uh, a remarkable yeah. woman and professor. Yeah, for sure. But uh, we can park it. But I think this whole dimension of reduction of cost, which is actually quite pivotal, fundamental oh. understanding, yeah. is something that. 
what is that and what do we mean with that? Because I think the more people understand the underlying fundamenta why AI is so huge, it will help the normal companies mm. that hasn't get on the train yet, that hasn't really connected with this yet, why they need to do it. But, but let's take that to the next topic. Then. Next topic. But let's finish, finish perhaps your topic. background. Yeah. You know, you mentioned a number of things you moved into. You worked in Swedbank. You moved to KTH as well and, and worked with them. And uh, let's not move perhaps fully into the AI sustainability part. We can take that as a separate topic as well. You know, I how that, so. Of course, <laughs> uh, how that got started and why. Um, yeah. Anything else that you'd like to, to bring up except those things before we proceed perhaps to the next topic? About like, my background? Yeah, your background. Something that you're missing. Uh, that's shaping you. What, yeah. you know, what that has shaped you, sort of thing. Yeah, the, 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 like a magnet to what is maybe uncomfortable because I always I, I try to be in situations where outside my comfort zone mm. and that's why would I do that it's like I've never been in a laid-back uh, exhaling position so I kind of seek for where where it's like <laughs> awesome I like that you um, want the rush this is like um <laughs> a coach session. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool. Um, you can you can move it as long as you oh. want to sit back. So just I'm cool. Let's move into. I mean, we've been speaking about the prediction machine now and the reduction of cost and everything, and I think it's uh, natural to just talk a bit more about that if it's okay with you. And I can just uh, give a bit about about my background. And and when I you know speak about this topic because I do that a lot and I use that as like an introduction on why AI will have as big impact on society as it will. Um, and I'm not an economist, but you are. And I try to portray a role of understanding economy, but I don't. But that, that makes it extra interesting for me to ask you what your view is um, about his book, Aya uh, Greval, The Prediction Machine, and, and uh, what he says. So let me give a bit of an intro. Um, what I usually say, and um, please let me know what I'm, you know, how horribly wrong I am, and, and what's the correct view of, of doing this. And when I, uh, you know, if the, there is this book called The Prediction Machine by this person called Aya Agrabal, and he's, I think he's a professor originally in an economy, but I think these days he calls himself a professor in AI. Um, but he basically said what, what you just said, that you can notice you have this kind of big technological disruptions happening. And AI is one of them and the biggest one right now. And we had other ones in the past, like the internet or the transistor that completely you know, transformed the society in different ways. And he said, at least, you know, if I quote incorrectly, that it's easy for an economist to identify what the techno technological disruption is. It is really when the cost of something drastically drops. Then you will see a big you know, change in what jobs we have at this time and new jobs being created. And he said that for the transistor, you know, leading up to all the computers that we have and use today. He said it for the internet, which was, uh, the, if I remember correctly, the cost of you know, uh, distributing information and products and services, which changed the jobs that we had at that time, you know, mid-90s and forward. Yeah. And created new jobs we've never seen before. And now he said, you know, for AI... It will be, as you just said, you know, predictions. And once again, we will see the cost of making predictions drastically drop, and that will change the jobs we have and create new type of jobs. So, okay, so far, what all of I've said, do you disagree with it or would you agree with it? Would you frame it in another way? Or? No, no, 
It's just I want to talk about predictions and mm. I want to talk about that filter bubble of predictions because mm. you cannot predict what hasn't happened and you cannot be creative uh, yet uh, in that square. So would we have been able to predict COVID-19? Mm. Yeah. Well, probably not, but we would be super good at predicting covid 21 or Mm-hmm. 20. Yet the problem is that all our work to predict the crisis just left will make us blind to what will happen on other areas. And I think this crisis, the focus um, and the neglection of everything else that is happening and the children in society they will stand us and hold us accountable for acting the way we do. So there are three things with um, prediction models and recommendation and filtering bubbles. It's it's the the COVID and the um, ability to create misinformation or disinformation. We have half a nation uh, thinking that there was cheating in the U.S. election. Uh, and we also have um, thoughts and insights that are actually uh, based on on sourceless or false sources uh, on social media. Mm. So how is these two crises or events that we have today affected by... AI on social platforms, and how will AI solve these mm. problems? Solve or help or or perhaps hinder? Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. So so when it comes to to crisis management and predicting how to stand ready for a new crisis, we have to learn from the insights from how we react. Mm with a crisis so our behavior when we're stressed um, that we can learn we can also learn the behavior of consumer patterns or investing patterns when we're stressed when there's a demand and supply Mm -hmm. shock and when it comes to the whole this misinformation filter bubbles spurring um, Trump defenders or advocates, um, there has to be an ethical filter on on media and also the social media platforms has to take responsibility and it goes from children porn to to, um, CNN news, it goes all the way. How can we assure that someone is standing accountable? So it's not a wild, wild west. It is something that we can steer and say, we can use AI for this Mm -hmm. and we cannot use AI for that. And if you have the platform and the data and the algorithms within your universe, uh, you, you have the accountability to do it fair, otherwise you will be standard accountable in court. Mm. So the same time, so we're actually initiating a, a project with the Gender Equality Agency in Sweden and coming just from a meeting with them, the time that you detect 
misfunction when it comes to fairness. You are awake. And once awake, you can change it in the positive directions. Once we, as both business leaders, researchers, realize that we have the power to do <laughs> the good things and to actually amplify the work for achieving gender equal goals, um, that will empower us. And because now we're asleep, we've been asleep for so long that Cambridge Analytica, we're like, oh, 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 okay. Then we went to sleep again. And this is, it's kind of um, the accountability awakeness for, for business leaders. And I think, I don't think it's the coders that will um, have the revolution. Because if you think about the traditional business model, you have the, the asset and the depth side. And, you know the or the income or um, and and the cost and you know that AI can push down the cost so you can reduce all spill in the value chain and do everything super efficient, uh, very capital biased. Um, then on on the income side, you can create really deep and tailored and customized client relations and really um, game on dopamine where you are um, most. Um, um, what do you call it? You, when you most proponed, is that an English word? Propone. I think you can say that. No, you, you're, you're, you're most you, you inclined, huh? Inclined, inclined to, to consume. So you lose your autonomy here in that gaming with your dopamine. The business model is on speed, right? There's no way if you target the algorithm towards this, there will be a business model on speed and seductive profits. But there's a new type of pollution coming out of these new business models. And this dark cloud of pollution, that's what we haven't accounted for in today's business models. So let me see if I understand you correctly, that just to quickly interrupt you at least, because oh. it's, it's also one of my favorite topics, which oh. uh, I have a close friend of mine who is called Matthias, and he um, he's a professor in circular economy, and he tries to get away from this kind of traditional linear type of uh, make, uh, take and waste, you know, type of economy. You, you make a new iPhone every second year and you buy a new one and you throw it away. And instead of moving towards a more sharing economy where you don't actually perhaps own as much and instead, you know, buy a function rather than a product and a service could lead to completely new incentives. Is, uh, this would be a topic I'd love to explore with you. Uh, do you see what I mean with that? Or Exactly. And I yeah. love it. Let us take, can I just, exp I would love to, uh, Anders, just hold your <laughs> thoughts because <laughs> okay. I would want to go again from an uh, economist point of view. When I did the what are we not capturing with traditional macroeconomic models from digitalization, um, the productivity gains we were not capturing, that was a positive externality. If you, you know that term, positive externality. I don't. So there is a value that is the willingness to pay for the service or product is higher. So it's kind of a free... Um, it's a market failure, but it's, 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 um, it's something that you, so a, a very good example is that you have, if you've, um, if you have declared, if you declared your income, your, declaration, or income your tax, declaration, tax declaration, yeah. or 
if you chop, shopped online or did your bank errands digitally, you know that you, you gained a lot of time, right? You gained a lot of, of leisure time in... Uh, Compared to do it manually. Right. Yeah. And leisure time is not part of any official statistics, but you know that it has a value for you. So you can't buy your leisure. Well, you can, <laughs> but I mean, that is a positive externality that you So there's gain. a positive externality I gain, so you can make a business model out of that, and it doesn't really follow the old model, so to speak. Well, you could make a business model of it by pricing it, but you don't. Like, so, so, so that was the, the, the research project at Swedbank. So what if Swish, we pay nothing for Swish, right? Mm. And but now we couldn't live without it. No, but we hook, we're hooked, hooked. in into the, the ecosystem that someone is capitalizing on it. Yeah. But so there's no thing as a free lunch. But this is, I wanted to explain to you what a positive externality yeah. is. What I'm saying is a negative externality is the, the, Pollution coming out of these business models. Of this business model. So it's like it's great. We're just um, we're just um, uh, flourishing here business wise, and we are just you know high, having this um, high. Yeah, but this pollution is super important, and we have the Netflix movie Social Dilemma and yeah. stuff like that, where we highlight. I mean, like we we do. They get our data. Uh, we we give it freely because we feel that we want to have this service of Facebook. We don't truly understand the model. Mm. And now two, three, four, ten years into it, people have started to realize that you can use these social media models for purposes they were not intended for. And all of a sudden we have pollution in terms of, you know, you know, a division of people's, you know, no one can get a common view because you, you, everybody gets a personalized view. So there are a lot of impacts that has happened that I, I don't think anyone could foresee. Is that what you mean? The yeah, but that's the what we do. That's the AI sustainability center. Yeah. So we categorize this dark the cloud of pollution. We said, okay, these are the pitfalls and this is how we use our tools and framework to solve it. And it's, it's going from theory to practice and it's taking theory and having it from another multidisciplinary lens and it's taking it from bottom up. So no one can say, so all this tech giants saying we're doing fair AI. Okay. So what does that mean? How do you code gender equality within your organization in every AI innovation that you put on the market? So no one can answer that. So you have to start with a systematic approach to this dark cloud and base it on how can we solve it? And when I say, when, when you're there, and you realize that you identified a, a problem. the faultiness. Then your eyes are open. You, you can turn it into something that will make your brand be extremely competitive uh, and on the market and create the trust that you will. Because you want people to have autonomy, to opt in because they want to. We Can I, can I, can I opt out? So I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. Oh, no. Um, and I'm missing, I don't care the parties I'm missing out. No, actually I'm not getting invited. So I, 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 I miss, I don't miss being disappointed. Let us put it that way. No. But, but what if my, my children's school dialogue was happening on Facebook? Yeah. So what does that mean for people? 
who want to opt out what does that mean for people who doesn't have a bank id or not but but could we now we have to sorry i'm yeah, so no, sorry no but we should try to structure a bit the discussion because yeah. it's so many diff- interesting different things you have brought up already and you know one thing that i think we sh- should speak a bit more about is this kind of you know make take waste kind of and the circular, circular economy, economy and self-function topic. topic i think that's interesting we mentioned on uh, social media and the filter bubble and you know how we can how ai potentially can be a positive or negative impact on that just as sustainability goals i think that's another topic that we could try yeah, to I mean, like dig talk deeper going into. from the dark cloud understanding it and turning it into a positive doing this as a competitive or negative you know, know it's like an awakening and i know and i'm certain that the accountability around this will just make us because you have to choose and the thing is that the ethical it's not a red wine discussion so once you are there on in top management and say this is what what we say is sustainable consumer credit you have to point it's binary you have to point it down what is it for a woman in my age to nudge on my dopamine and my vanity and also talking about gender what if you're not ma- um your sex is neither male or female mm. cool exactly. but in, and we also mentioned you know the ai sustainability center a number of times now yeah, we, right? need to we haven't really introduced that. it so but, but perhaps uh, bef- one, and one more topic used to laying it out there yeah. you know what what the hell is ethics yeah <laughs> what the hell is I, ethics I write that down. What the Perfect. hell is this? Okay. Because so, so but, but wait with that for a second. We wait with that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> Ten minutes. I mean, like, uh, okay. this is why it takes two hours, yeah. you know, because you when know, you get the Pandora's box open. I want to be here in four hours. <laughs> when you I get the Pandora's box the open. On <laughs> but before, yeah, before yeah. we move it, let's, let's hmm? start you know, to make sure that we actually capture, you know, the sustainability center. Yeah, well. yeah. use for a joke. Before we get started, the best show is the after yeah. afterward when the cameras are closed. So we've been sitting here till 12, that's a couple of times. But and no. my kids are home alone, so oh. I can't. Yeah. I wish. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Anyway, let, let's do it a bit more structured and, and please, try to you find. Lead it. No, no. <laughs> no, try to. it. I, please, Anna. What is the AI Sustainability Center? Why did it get started, and, and uh, how did you do it? AI Sustainability Center. It's ensuring that we embrace AI and create yeah. AI innovations that human can trust. Invention that human can trust. Awesome. Okay, going mm. back, I can't help taking this macroeconomic filter. At mm. this time, we are dependent on innovations for productivity growth. Yes, yes. Right? Indeed. So we draw on the fruit of the old businesses, the dinosaurs. Now we need to go first principles, reinvent our businesses. So what will be the ingredients in all the innovations? AI, right? Data-driven mm. technologies and AI. So whenever you want to innovate, the topic of ethics will have to be on the top of your agenda because it, conf- it has to and it should and be to your advantage be forced to make a stand, put down the flag. So what, what side do you want to be in? Do you want to be asleep or do you want to take action for steering AI in a world that is better for your consumer, 
consumers and environmental society. So let, let me, but, can, but let's perhaps start with the history as well. You know, how did it get started? For people oh, that don't even know. So what it, it is. was me and Freddy Kainz and Stefan Larsson who yeah. was sitting um, and um, scoping this project. And he, Stefan Larsson is coming from the law and societal perspective on technology. And he was at this point where? In Lund. Lunds Lund. Tekniska Universitet. He still yeah. is, but he's affiliated to... And Heinz was at... Linköping. Linköping, yeah. And he's still is. So... And what faculties? Are they all AI guys? Or are they from different... Are we multidisciplinary from the beginning? Yeah, so, so, so Fredrik Heinz is an AI researcher yes. with a focus on AI ethics. I know him well, actually, I know PhD at the same time as I Excuse for the, who, so, whoever yeah, is listening yeah. might not yeah, know yeah. Who, who Right, is. and he's on the high level, the EU high level group on trustworthy AI. Yeah, and he's in your, so several right. AI Sweden and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then, and then the Stefan other guy, Lohan, And he's also in the borderline. He's an, uh, um, one of the, the, the best AI ethics researcher we have because he's he's he has um angle of uh, the legal angle but the social technical social technical uh, angle as well so the three of us so so you're coming from slightly AI ethic is the core center of research but we are coming into it from slightly different angles here yeah and that's the that, that's the way that's, that's the way so we did it we said it's a nordic approach with nordic valid, mm -hmm. values. values and the approach goes like it's multidisciplinary Multi and you collaborate that's the nordic way, way of doing it but the nordic values are also something that we take for granted so we want fairness we want integrity we want autonomy we want uh, solidarity maybe even stuff information like yeah but we are we are dedicated to not compromising on this and we combine it with sustainable business models so we are uh, the, the, the USP here, we are uh, considered uh, uh, extremely well doing business and ethics. So that's where we started. So, so, so we brought in also companies um, who understood that this is a movement that is about to be created. And we're a one-stop shop for AI and ethics. We do research. We do consultancy with uh, scalable tools that is unique in their design because they are designed in a multidisciplinary cross-functional. The way they came about is quite unique. Yeah, but it's also how you apply. Oh, it's also how you apply them. You apply them to activate different roles in your organization. So you're being a bit uncomfortable here in our organization, but you awake them. And then you, uh, we, we, we have use cases, we risk it. So we have a framework, methodology and strategies, and we have like a smorgasbord of offerings now, how we can audit, how we can um, uh, come in as an AI ethical board and how we can um, use our framework to, to, to make their products and innovations market ready for mm. uh, AI solutions humans can trust. So we work with, so sometimes it's it's like you come into different perspective. The best the best selling is that you work with a CEO because this person will he or she will will be accountable and the CEOs that uh, really understand this has a um, way of uh, letting us come into an organization with a mandate uh, to actually uh, engage everyone. And then you sometimes we we 
engage with the, the marketing and communication management because he or she knows that w- when something happens, the shit, when the shit hits the fan, it, it will, will be on hurt the, my brand. Yes. And then we have the legal and that's, that's why you talked about what is ethics. And I mean, everything in every, um, every law, every regulation starts with an ethical approach and, and it's the, the borderline between ethics. And in this point, we, we focus on the borderline with, between GDPR and, and ethics and how they interact and how you, you can find this space of comfortability, um, with your own values uh, in this. And then we have, um, the tech people are the ones that are, um, in the large organizations are the ones that sometimes say, no, we got this. And, and then it's like, yeah, you got it from your perspective, mm-hmm. right? You know, when you need to be transparent f- at your desires on what you want. And once you scale, you can't have uh, like uh, the view over it. So there could, sometimes there are like, that sometimes it's the CEO doesn't know what's going on in the tech department. It's that's a, that is a, like a black box. <laughs> so, so how would you define the vision of AI sustainability center? Oh, the vision, this is, we're going to be a world leading hub for uh, AI ethics and tools for organization to realize that uh, they are uh, steering AI and not the other way around. Awesome. I like it. That's a good one. Steering, not steer AI, not being steered or by the AI. Yeah, but you know the the um, like I dream about the the people in position to change the world when they are awake and like, okay, like once we decide on what we think is fair and can communicate that and be accountable for that, there's a lot of stuff that we can do good. There's a lot of damage we can just um, dodge. And, <laughs> and, and um, to use the uh, alleric of the cave from Plato, enlightenment, who, who has walked out of the caves and seen the light. In your conversations with businesses now, mm. do people, are they awake yet? Have they seen it yet? Or is it something that is still a buzzword that we kind of know it's important for us, someone, because I can read all the articles, mm-hmm. or has, are they, that, have they walked out of the cave yet? No, but see, that's not light. what I say is awake. Awake is then when you realize your accountability. Because everyone, if, if you ask someone, every business leader would take two hours with us talking about AI ethics. So interesting. So, but we don't do AI. Exactly. Or they, then you haven't, for me, if you know Plato's cave, you, you see the world as shadows projected on at, mm. at the back of the mm. cave. So you think a horse is black and white flat as you see a horse as a, as a shadow, right? Mm. And then someone walks you out of the cave mm. and puts you in, in bright sunlight, you get burnt in your eyes. Mm. And now you see actually a, a, a horse is in 3D mm. and in colors. Mm. So basically, when I hear someone, oh, this is so interesting with AI, not and they are still in the cave. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, that's important to me. To, so so I, lo- I forgot that metaphor. I love Plato's that. allegory. Actually, on the on Data Innovation Summit, uh, I, I started before, and you was the first keynote speaker. I used the Plato's allegory to talk about enlightening, I, I, you know, mm. 
to truly understand data and AI and how you need to change your company, you actually need to demystify it and understand it. You need to do the hard jobs to get out of the cave yeah. to look at it in a new perspective. But the beauty of it, first you get frightened because yes. you understand the the harm it can create. And then you are, then you get overwhelmed by your accountability and then you see the light of what you can do good. Yeah. That's being awake. And, and, and Plato would say, first, when you walk out of the cave, you get pain in your eyes and yeah. you get blinded because you're looking straight into the sunlight. Your mm -hmm. eyes need to adjust. And by now, now you can see it clearly. The problem is when you're trying to go back to the cave, and explain to your friends what you now have understood, mm. you have no dark vision left. So all of a sudden, when, when, you, when you've seen the light, mm. you are actually from a different perspective on everything you talk about. Mm. So that's the pain you are talking about. Plato, mm. you read your... <laughs> sorry for going down that path. Uh, I love Philosophical it. discussions. Before you're reminding we... me of what I already know. That's <laughs> Uh, it would be fun to, to just dig deeper into what ethics really is and, and, and you know, good definitions of that, which is hard. But, no, the, but be yeah. before we perhaps move into that, mm -hmm. what's next up for AI Sustainability Center? Do you have any plans ahead? Yeah. Lots, I guess. <laughs> it's um, so a new CEO. Mm -hmm. Cool. It's going to become public Monday. Why, why oh, can't, really? we, can't we have a scoop? <laughs> Can we have a scoop here? So there's going to be clearer buckets of who we are, what we do and why. And it's going to be one bucket that is research, the other one clear consultancy with the tools that uh, is going to be unique and scalable. And then there's going to be outreach. Then they're going to be the movement. Then we're going to create um, a sense of awakeness here. I, you know what I want to talk about? <laughs> Please, what do you want to talk because about? Because do you know Brenny Brown? I don't. No, I can't say that. Well, I, I think she's very, she is um, very, um, her language goes straight to the heart of a 40 plus woman. She she says that, you know, there's some, um, you call it the, the, the stage or like the ring, uh, how do you call the, the, the circle? No, the circle, like it, when you're boxing, you're in yeah, a you're boxing. You're going into the boxing ring. Uh, ring. ring. You go uh, into the ring, yeah. boxing ring. And then there's, you know, this audience. And having been down in the ring and, you know, seen being hurt and being pushed down and stood up again and being laughed at and being praised and everything you do when you put yourself in the ring, you're kind of out there. You, you're saying, here I am, and uh, you take a risk, right? And she says, feedback, I don't take any feedback from people sitting in the audience, but I do um, take feedback as a, um, a proof of engagement and love for someone else in the ring. Like, I can, I can... I will not let myself be praised or doomed by the audience because you have to be in the ring. And I don't know why I talk. I know exactly why I talk about this, because as I talked about the, where we need innovation to thrive, uh, to drive productivity, 
there's a lot of risk to be taken and there's a lot of shame in in your dreams that you want to avoid but this is the time for risk and what do we need to be able to create a society that takes risk well we need our welfare system uh, but we also need um um an förlåtande um forgiving, forgiving norm and we need the arms that are not uh, robot arms but physical arms to to catch us when we fall safety net and safety so, net so so the the human touch and the the human aspects of life in this ai era is going to become even more important than ever because it's going to be a polarized world it is we can come to the article of in in the nature com, um, communication what do you think paper. it's going to be increasingly polar, po- polarized so to speak uh, well, in the world oh just between countries and within countries so mm-hmm. it's all AI divide is that what you're talking yeah, because about because it's it it's the human so again the the divide between capital and and labor labor so you say that AI and machines that everything is that is easy to predict in in as a component of a of a skill of a, or of a job task is going to be uh, subsidized that that's a no leaning point but but the the things that we don't um that will be priced extremely higher so so again I want to I want to you asked when I when when you came in when I came in here you said Can you can we talk about something you thought thought of today? And I today I thought about the mix between the fiscal and the monetary policy in this corona crisis and what's going to happen afterwards. And we talked about afterwards what we're going to think about when we were focusing on on elderly and kind of neglected the young people and other persons that with needs um but also how we manage this crisis because with the risks if you take risk today you kind of punished right economically wise but in this pandemic you're punished twice by taking risk and being an entrepreneur so the the financial markets are Uh, on they're they're very influenced by monetary policies saying every central bank in the world say we're going to intervene on the fiscal markets for how long it needs and with so much it needs so that pushes uh, the the cost for money down so that makes it very um preferable to own real estate okay. and to own stocks. Yeah. Yeah, and to to it, money is also very cheap. So the people that own stuff um is going to be richer. The people that don't own stuff, but one good thing is also, so the, the the interest rates they they're pushed down and that makes the house bubble crash not occurring at this moment. So then we have the other part that's the um, the fiscal policy so that's the government interventions so they say oh we're going to actually intervene here oh, this is a crisis package 
So the dinosaurs, such as that doesn't create as much as we need for productivity. I said that innovation and risk is what we need to yeah. just so, for productivity. They get a lot of packages. So we're upholding businesses that maybe want is in a natural environment are fading out, but we're missing what we're missing. We're missing entrepreneurs by saying that the, um, the, the support for the people that you temporarily lay off, it's, it's actually not being paid out in time. It's an administrative process. So the ones that are taking risks are punished. Um, but this is twice. Uh, this is huge because right now, in order to get any out of these uh, fiscal interventions, you kind of need to be one of the big heavy industries in Sweden, where yeah. you have a p- certain profile of assets and a lot of staff, a quite analog business model. And in order to the way it's been set up, you can then do this uh, time layoff and all that kind of stuff. And you need to be of a quite huge size in order to be able to operate and manage this. Whilst what is really going to drive Sweden forward, the entrepreneurs, the innovators. The ones this, taking risks. The ones taking risks. There is no package. There's no There's package. No I have to disagree with all of you there because I believe that Sweden has, has done quite good with this. I, I'm a small entrepreneur. Yeah, how much package very, did you be able to? We well, talked about, come on, we've were, talked about they, this off camera. They were very, very, they were very fast in actually in creating packages for small companies. So now if you have ancient did you blood. Take one? Did you take one? Warren? No, we, we Why did, not? You we are in the we most hurt. Yeah, but, are you in one of the most hurt industries, the event yeah. industry, if any? Should no, take but we were packages. lucky last year. We were being very lucky to survive. So there are many other companies that wouldn't. And so uh, that I think that the package situation. came in May already. So I think that if we are talking about from uh, entrepreneurial side, I think that I, I slightly disagree on this. I think that we reacted quite quickly, but you're right when it comes to, there were by June last year, there were around 17,000 unemployed people that were working in the hotel and event branch that went out. And these people, um, our customer was working for them and et cetera. So, so yes, they have been punished twice but I believe that the government still reacted quite quickly, I have to say. But no, I have to defend we, we it because dis- I have... I disagree with you is, here is because I, I see... I disagree so much with you. Good! <laughs> Finally, we get something. Because, <laughs> because for me, working in, in, a, large, uh, in a large corporation uh, on, on a daily basis, it, it was a given that they needed to work with these fiscal policies because there was a good management opportunity. You need to take it. I, and I, they say, all I partly agree with Gordon here, but let's Anna. Uh, let's so know what, what it think. does also, it, it is punishing women. So women is working in service, um, low skilled um, areas mm. in yeah. a uh, relatively more. Uh, degree than men so when women are being the poor and women are being punished yeah and so gender inequality here who is getting hurt the most so to speak in this yeah. crisis for sure yeah but i think we can agree with and what what is the problem is 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 the way the packages has been made out so, or the because i actually agree with you anna that i think it is helping old business models and it, and it works because we understood old business models so we can we could yeah. shape a package yeah. because we understood this we don't understand we the don't new understand. stuff so we don't know how to shape a package that works for an entrepreneur that's how i understand the, right. the problem but they, they want to but they don't have the know-how 
if I'm if I'm nice nice or why 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 wouldn't we try to to help our entrepreneurs? So what's I don't happening? Think if you look at indicators, you would say okay, so there's a growing service industry in Sweden, and we see that like people that are own stock or own their real estate. Well, they have a good time now. They're not that affected by the crisis. They still have the job. Their uh, house is, is increasing house in, in value and the stock market's ticking money up. Is, uh, money is cheap, so people keep so buying houses. Again, what, since I worked at the, the Ministry of Finance and I looked at all of these indicators, I know that that would signal a forecast that says it's okay. So when it's more uh, alarming and when you actually go be Deeper behind. Deeper behind the surface, you see that this is increasing the way the mix between fiscal and monetary policy is hurting um, the less educated and the the ones that are not uh, owning and and are in in, in low skilled service sectors. So, so, would you argue that an amorteringskravet? It's another mm-hmm. way of just serving that everyone. It's not before. First, it was only for the unemployed. No, everyone should get it. I'm not so I don't want to be political here but what I know is that we have to have a welfare system that is protecting people taking risks and mm. and I mean when when I was um asked or interviewed about the sharing economy and in Sweden Sweden is a great country we we, we are uh, we are I mean people com- complaining well well where else would you want to live Live in than in Sweden, but um, the 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 welfare system and how the gig economy is exploring uh, exploding and how they're actually um, under the lowest wage and how they are they are evaluated on every task they do, and that's for me um, being like being in working in different parts of. Like in the startup, big companies, and university, and then the government. It's like welcome to entrepreneurship. You're being evaluated every single minute, and you th- you're taking risks, and and that's why I think that the the the, the policy is just that the, the labor market policy also based upon. Um, the, the the dinosaurs. So we have to look at what is a security net based on gig, the gig economy and the people taking risk. How can we secure that? And to secure, uh? yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with both kind of arguments. I, I would say, and um, I I can certainly see that in you know, the corona has caused a lot of issues. It, it, for one, it's like we're going a bit back to the law of the jungle. Only the strongest survives. And uh, if you don't have a safety net as a company or as a person, you, you will get hurt in some way. And, and that's really sad, of course. But on the other hand, you can also watch, if you would view more on an AI point of view, Corona has forced digitalization yeah. to a degree we've never seen in yeah. the past. Right? love it. It's fast-tracking. But then the risks are, you we're more exposed to the ethical risks then. So we have mm. to work with ethical filters even more now. Mm. I mean, I think it was the, the Minister of... Uh, education in Sweden that said basically like in, in May or something this 2020, I said this mm. year, but yeah, last year then, mm. uh, like three months of Corona has, you know, accelerated uh, digitalization more than five years. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's kind of yeah. it's good in some sense, but yeah. it could also lead to ethical, you know, implications that we and consequences that we don't. We've had have. to put things in place that we haven't really understood fully right. what it means. Right. And just to finish my point as well, I think also it's been building up like an in uh, a need for doing more investment. So I think actually in in terms of VC capital, there is actually more available today than for a long time which could help a lot of startups getting funding potentially. Um, so th- there are also these kind of positive side effects. Of but, course. Right? Of course. Yeah, good. Okay. But we, we, we mean like maybe I'm, I'm going down another rabbit hole. Sorry, Anders. Yeah. Because, you know, we have talked a lot about what we talk about and, we, and we've used oh. the, t- the terminology, the AI divide. So we've talked about the digital divide and all that kind of stuff. But we have also seen, if you work in the industry and you truly work on, on the tech side and all that, you, you see this problem that we have some uh, a divide now. Not You can look at it on country level, but you can even look at it on, on actually, it's a couple of fundamental tech giants that are, that are so far ahead in their AI industrialization and how they do things. Um, so it's the rest of the world is playing catch up. And this is compl- this is one part of what is driving polarization also. And we and, and, and one of my strongholds, you know, what I'm doing as, as my, my core business, I think we will have a worse society is all disruption will come from a few tech giants. It, we will be a much more healthy society if we manage to disrupt ourselves and become data and AI ready ethically and all this. So so here this tech AI divide to me is around this area now we are talking about the polarization how we need to help and we talked about how can we invest so europe actually gets a sustainable alternative to the u.s giants and all that so there are many i'm just going down another rabbit hole here in our after yeah, work i so much want to talk about that and i want to um i want to bring up um on this point with with uh, different um incident uh, incitament yeah. um but first, I want to talk about the tech giants and, and the, the catch 22 in that, because you have the tech giants and with all that data, they manage to transform their business into different fields. Um, so their monopoly situation is within data, not facial recognition. So the, the regulators can't get them because like in home devices, they would say that no, we don't. It's it's the data that needs to um, um, they acquire that has the monopoly situation. Yet, that's exactly what we want because we want to hook up to every uh, social platforms that has this huge environment. So no one wants Facebook is no if no one else is on it. So it's very difficult with the desire to uh, have this. A monopoly, uh, monopolistic uh, giant, um, and to catch it with regulation. So the the, the opt out is like you do what you do want to, but you don't want to, and that's why the Facebook uh, wasn't an incident that really awo- awoke us. I mean, the Cambridge Analytica incident, or yeah, yeah. 
So, it, so we did not awake because we love it. And why do we love it? It's the dopamine. Yeah. So it's autonomy. So this is why autonomy is so important for us at the AI Sustainability Center when we claim the fairness of AI. Because I don't even know that someone is playing with my feelings. Sure. I don't even know that I am mm-hmm. becoming vain and a consumer on 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 credit. So, so I think you know this. I'm biting my tongue all the time here, but okay, we, we have a number of topics here. One is the filter bubble. You know that we get the dopamine all the time. We're seeing things that agree with our personal opinion, and potentially we just dig deeper into that and keep you know building up our ideas or opinions in per- perhaps in not the very objective way, but perhaps. A bit before we jump into that rabbit hole, <laughs> filter bubble. So many rabbit holes. They are they cool. Are, but, you know, we, we AI always, is cool, man. It's so many rabbit holes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'd just like to stay a bit to, I mean, we started to speak a bit about the AI divide, and it would be here interesting to hear what you think about that. So, so you know, in, in why, one way to describe it is basically we can easily see today, if we look at the most valuable companies in the world, Top 10 2019, it was Google, uh, it was Amazon, it was Facebook, it was Microsoft, and it was the Chinese giants, you know, the Alibaba, Tencent, and Baidu, etc. So we know it's the most valuable companies, and, and we partly know that they've been so successful because they can make use of AI and data in a way that very, very few other companies can. And then that creates like a feedback loop that makes them more and more powerful, and in some sense, you can argue, uh, is it good or bad? Of course, we can find many bad situations and we can try to regulate it. And actually, the first question I'd like to ask you is about regulation when it comes to tech giants. Yeah. Because this is a hard question. And, and I know GDPR, for example, had very good intentions, but I don't think it had really good consequences in the way it was implemented. And, and the reason I'm saying that is that we know the tech giants, they have huge legal resources. They know the data better than anyone else. So they also know exactly how to manage the regulation. Whilst the, the, the less mature gets thrown, they don't, they don't want to take the risk. I mean, like they don't, we're not, as we, back I mean, to the let, risk. Let's take an example. You know, GDPR, you have, you know, act, you want to have access to your own data or you have the right to erasure, basically saying if, if someone comes to Google and say, remove everything about me, they have to implement that and implement the routines to do so. And they have no problem doing that. They, they know how to they, do it easily. They have so much resources, they have the infrastructure, and they have the legal expertise to it's easily implement the it. It's the mid-size company. I mean, the mid-size no. company... It's not applied there. It's not... No, they, they, they are stuck. Sorry. Oh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not big, a big problem for Facebook or Google no. or Microsoft or the Chinese, uh, Giants. They have the system to, to do it to uh, comply with this. But the big problem is for the rest of the world and the rest of the companies. So in some way, it leads to Swedish companies and retailers perhaps not being, you know, having the courage to actually make use of data and AI because they are afraid of getting fined by GDPR. Do you agree with this? Yeah, so it's like a pendulum because you need to have um, too much. You you have the regulators clearly... Uh, force GDPR too early and mm. um, with the wrong uh, consequences. But you have to, you have to regulate so you don't hamper innovation, but you have to yes. reduce harm and keep the GDPR was f- for the EU politicians to 
keep the integrity of the EU citizens yeah. and punishing the tech giants. Because if you think about it, because but it didn't work, did it? it but then you know, like, what should we do when when they mine our commodities, like our the people, and they get the profits? You know, that, so, so the Europe. Even but, but them getting profit is not a negative thing in itself, is okay, it? Okay, so right? so what I'm saying is, I'm an EU politician now. I'm trying to find yes. out the the way that their mind works. So they 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 see these tech giants coming from the US and China, and they say they're exploiting the citizens um, of the EU and hurting their integrity. Yeah, that's so the problem. That's the, the problem. Yeah. it's not the making profits that's a problem. It's the integrity and privacy. So, no, it's right? so. What is the gain? So that hence the discussion if they would task tax per 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 um, per um, citizens mm. in the country that they exploit um, and and also or use. I mean, they do provide value as well. They don't only exploit people, right? Or we opt in because we think that they have something we want. We we we, we are we are dragged on the dopamine and we are dragged on. This is where you need to meet your friends. But tell me what I'm missing. I'm not on Instagram and I'm not on Facebook. Tell me what I'm missing. No, no, um, I'm just saying I, that's an, an, an extreme stance to take. I think it's it creates. I'm I'm sh- surely missing out. But um, what they are concerned about is that someone is eating their cake. And harming and they, the people. You mean EU politicians? The now? EU pol- That's yes. where I'm coming at yeah. now. So I'm, I'm You're putting I'm, the hat on. How how does the EU politician think and rational? Yeah. When they come up with the GDPR, they setup? know that there can't be a EU closure closed Facebook. They mm. they know that this is something that um, the EU citizens want. So it's it has to be non um, restrictive for EU citizens, right? Mm. So what what it's what what GDPR is hurting is also some kind of small companies, right? Mm. Entrepreneurs find it somehow um, like hurdlesome to comply, whereas you said the tech giants they can afford it. Mm. But if you look at GDPR and you would look at it from an ethical perspective, it's like the 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 right um, the consent pillar which which says which said that okay i have to now they're discussing because i give my consent to share my data okay so i share it to you and you and you and you and i don't know since i'm not an ai Expert. professor how these data sets can be combined and create insights that are privacy intrusive for that so that pillar kind of Fails. We're not. It's a false sense of security uh, when it comes to. No one reads the thirty, forty yeah. pages of legal terms of pages. services. Yeah, and now they're actually work, discussing right? whether that is legal to apply such an um, accountability to on a this, citizen to know this. and read and stuff. So that's the. Yeah, because it, it, they are exploiting that we 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 kind of want this, and we we love to have our friends on Facebook. So we are putting a blind eye. We are not getting enlightened enough to understand fully what what the game is all about. But we don't even put in a blind eye. I couldn't 
grasp what kind of insights no. that could be tra- privacy intrusive for me. So even if I would be interested in reading all these documents, I could. That's what's discussed on no, the, the point is the, w- the, the normal citizen reading these documents, and it's been clear in the, the conversations with the Senate in the US or the with the EU. The, the, the people who are the lawmakers and regulators, they don't grasp what the val- how how the bot model really really works. Even no right. one does. Right. They and, do, of course. They, and then tech giants, right? Then, then we have the right for for to be forgotten. forgotten. You can't for, forget me because uh, algorithms has been trained on my data already, so you can't forget me. And when it comes to like the blockchain, you can't be forgotten on the blockchain, and that's a tricky one. But then it's the right for portability, and the 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 trace I leave can't be forgotten. And then you have the right for explainability, algorithm transparency. So, and that's so GDPR intention is good, but you have now basically h- highlighted a couple of key different dimensions why its execution on it, on the tech giants will never work. I mean, like, how, you know, how can they re- remove you from the algorithm? They can't. They can't. They can't. So, so and also when it comes to the right for uh, explainability, what is algorithm transparency? Is it the source code? Here you go. Like, on what level can you explain to me so that I understand? And it's also who can, uh, who can, um, who can um, demand the algorithm transparency? So in the EU, their discussion is whether the harm, is, is there harm? Because I can't like, uh, uh, by chance, just say that I want the explainability on my terms, and you have to withdraw. So you have to have like a sense of you're you're at stake and you're being harmed. Okay, so what is it? What what's harm? Is it like social harm? I an AI algorithm decided that I won't have custody over my children, or it, is it the financial loss when I when the algorithm said invest all my money in, in this portfolio? So it's like there are many undiscussed and unfinished um, considerations in GDPR based on the fact that, but I mean, the intention, the, the intention is, uh, is somewhat good, but then Ursula now is talking about the, the high stakes and the low stakes. So she wants to regulate with transparency. You mean the high risk and low risk yeah. kind of applications. Yeah. So they're saying that, okay, so the high risk is public sector, transportation, Finance, health, money, maybe. No, uh, no, education, recruitment, and then the the middle, the lower stakes, and they are they said that they are going to be regulated, but then they're discussed they're discussing um, the 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 not so high stakes, and they say that there there will be some kind of informal certificates. So just raising the question in this manner would be maybe better. But for us, we see that once like explainability is put on the table, it's like, then the work begin. It doesn't end there because then you have to say like, okay, so how do we, do we, do we want to explain this? Because if you're a public agency, you can't explain how, you're g- gonna get fined, or <laughs> you're gonna detect fraud. So, so it's just, just to dig in, into explainability, because it's one of my favorite research topics as well. Yeah. Because we even have a PhD student looking only into you know how how to bring forward explainability from especially the latest type of AI models. But what's your view on that? I mean, uh, 
the, the risk is if you, I mean, let's take a human, for example, and let's say that you decide if I should get a loan or not from a bank. Uh, and you say no, and I ask why, and you give some explanation. I may buy it or I may not, but I can never really truly understand why you made that decision, can I, as a human? Let me, ignore AI for now. Yeah. It, let, let me just give you um, um, a, a deeper um, aspect of that, because if you say that this data was the main reason for the decision of the algorithm. Mm. And then I go, how sure was the algorithm? Mm. Was it like a, ah, twist my arm? Or was it like mm. binary? You couldn't even, you're beginning to realize. I think, you know, some technical AI techniques are getting there, but can you, you as a human, if you, you just talk about humans, I mean, if, if you were as a human sitting at Swedbank and you were deciding if I should get a loan or not, and, and I come and you decide no, and then I come to you and ask why, and you say something. Uh, how can I trust that? How, how do I know if it's like close to zero, one, or you know, on the, on the edge, so to speak? So how this works? Because we worked with um, with um, the Swedish Employment Agency, and they yeah. they do profiling. Yeah. Uh, it sounds bad, but it's it's a good thing. Thanks. It's really good. We can. We're far from being able to handle all the job seekers uh, without AI. So um, AI is a prerequisite for, for retaining the social contract and, and just being able to, to afford this welfare model. So that's important that I say that. But um, um, so, so comparing a use case mm -hmm. worker or um, um, a desk officer at Swedbank and the, 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 the checklist that they have under the corner and then their human bias in combination. Um, and then we have the AI model um, and the interaction with the use caser or the loan taker in understanding and adopting what status this is. Okay, you get a no. Okay, um, why? And is this, is there a human in the loop here? Has, can I complain over this? Has someone interacted with this and put on a, um, an intuitively or experience-based human touch? Like there's so many questions. So let me ask a controversial question uh, then. Let's say that you put humans out of the loop for the decision of giving a loan. Mm. But let's assume you had a you know really high, you know, well-working explainability functionality of that algorithm. Yeah. Do you think at some point in the future, potentially an AI-based loan decision maker would be more trustworthy than a human? Yes, of course. Mm. I believe that the, uh, AX as a explainability within AI will 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 become as we uh, um, um, to make us uh, secure with mm. it. Yeah, so, so I'm certain in that. But but then I I want to take this now. I'm in the scenery of a bank. So yeah. let me tell you. So I come in now. You we twist the role. So mm. you are the banker, yeah. <laughs> and I let us say I come in with my sneakers smelling bad and. Mm. You know, I want a loan and there's some criteria. I don't know. There's one 
there's only my list of if I have any dots in the register. No, I don't. So, but this is your bank account. It's zero, nothing there. No, we have those checking points and the checking points say that there are four criteria. So yeah. we check. Yeah. Um, and then there is this intuitive uh, touch on it and they say no. And then I say, let me come back to you and let let me have you use my AI model mm -hmm. and you can apply it to every leakage, me data leakage. And you can take all my um, data from me, my family, like everything you can get. And I will assure you uh, that I have... Um, uh, that I'm good, yes. I'm compliant, yeah. I'm credit worthy. Yeah. It's just that these four checks that you used now have in your rule-based analog approach, I didn't score That's so it. well. But in reality, I have a shitload of money, but it doesn't sit in Sweden. It sits something, you know, it can be... Or many. my behavior, even though the intuitively, like, I smell bad, but I, my behavior is like I'm super strict on my... Econ finances. Yeah. So... So it comes out, it's like, no, oh, actually, your AI model was brilliant. Now we want to give you this, this loan application is accepted. Mm -hmm. The thing is now that you have my data mm -hmm. and you track me and you hinder me uh, and you um, game me and I'm suddenly yours. Where do we want to be? Okay, cool. I, I love to explore more, you know, having data problems because I but think now it's a, on explainability. Yes. Yeah. So we're still on explainability, yeah. but okay, let's try to finish that point and mm. then move to like data ownership and these kind of issues that that can cause. But okay, I, if I understand you correctly, you know, we for one need to have like a generic kind of decision making process that can take other things than a checklist into account to have like a really trustworthy and hopefully like a, a system you can reason with to, to make that system become trustworthy in some way. Is that what you're saying in some way? I think that the explainability models within AI with enough focus will create a community of explorable and more um, 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 uh, uh, oh, so this I want to talk about, because what is the goal here? The goal is not to have the right transparency of the, the explainability model. So the explainability model would be uh, targeted at having a human understand it. Mm -hmm. So how would you deploy an AI explainability models to create or to, to meet the needs of different levels of knowledge mm. within AI. I can answer that, sorry. No, but, <laughs> but I, it's an awesome, I, I love this, this is actually research. research actually, me, but, but that, that whole topic, Dig worked on that in one of their last reports when they yeah. tried to highlight um, a framework for how how they see uh, the public sector in Sweden, one of their biggest values, if you compare public sector in Sweden to other countries, is that we put a high trust in our public sector. Yeah. And now, if we want to have AI models, uh, a key strategy is to keep trust high. And in order to keep trust high, we need to communicate, we need to be transparent upfront on how things work. So actually, the answer to your question, the best answer that you can read about is actually uh, this model of how they've implemented, uh, exp you know, trustworthy, explainable, but how they go about to build trust. And they're in one way, 
instead of focusing on the technicalities of explainability, uh, focus on, as you highlighted, what makes someone trust it and, and, and feel that it's right. So it, you, we need to explain how it works. We need to explain the whole context. I, I don't know. Can you explain how the human brain works? Sorry. No, but, 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 that, but the point but, is this. Instead of going into the technicalities of this, which is, uh, this is a rabbit hole. Mm, it is. Focus on the trust aspect and basically how do we, how, how can I communicate what is happening so people understand how it works. That's not the same to explain the AI model in all. In all Core in this is to to explain where you at the point where you can't explain. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go further? Well, yes, I do. I trust you, or I don't trust you. No, thank you. Yeah. But the awareness. But we know when we can't explain anymore. We know it's not like. But that goes for everything, right? No, that's that, that's a, that's. There are so many things. If you start digging, taking this explainability topic into other topics of AI, I don't ask. Could you please explain how my email ends up in your account? Explain that, otherwise, I don't trust you. You know, no one knows how they. You they, know, you know what? The time is really flying away, <laughs> and, and we have like. Uh, <gasps> 25 minutes now. That's another thing I have to talk about. I have to do <laughs> an end note on GDPR. Okay. This is so good because like the right to be forgotten. Yeah. When I go to the doctor yeah. and I tell him this is what my disease, like he or she doesn't forget me. Hmm. How no. should we mirror the right world? Should we, how, how much faultiness should we mirror from us humans to, for us to live in peace with AI. Because we're asking things that we can't live up to in the, in the analog world. The thing is, I, I am convinced that we have to see AI for what it is, what it cannot do, what it can do, and what we ask it, please, we know you can do this, but we, we prefer you not do that because that's not the world we want to create. Yeah, so now we go into another explainability is one thing, but it's also more about the conscious choice and when we decide to trust and when we decide not to trust and not use it. Can I try to summarize with one statement and see if you agree when it comes to the explainability topics? And then perhaps we can move a bit, perhaps we if we have to ownership, but we have to touch the nature article as well yes. and do that before the time runs out. Um, but let me see if you agree with this. So explainability. I would argue that the best and most trustworthy systems, both human and AI, is when you combine human and AI together. And that means that you know, AI is good at some things, like processing a lot of data. And potentially for you know, taking a loan, AI has, has the opt- potential to go beyond the checklist. It can actually go through much more data about you that the human never could. But it can't do other things. So human is really good at other things, which is like re- reasoning and have a deeper background knowledge that AI is very, very far from having today. So if you can, you can combine the both of them, you would have the most trustworthy system where the human makes use of data for processing more data, but then have the still the reasoning and, and putting things in a context that AI can too. Would that, in your mind, lead to the most trustworthy AI loan-giving system? system? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, but again, so, so having someone having an AI model, mm-hmm. say that another, a more to, to answer the, so, so to give it a more clarity or, or, or to make it me difficult to say no to that. It's like, I, I'm a doctor, mm-hmm. so I, I have a patient and to diagnose this patient, I have 
the world's diagnosis for your type. So I use this to 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 increase uh, my knowledge and depth about diagnosing you. And then um, I, I say what I need to say. Um, and then the process of taking care of a very um, a, a bad um, diagnostic, mm-hmm. and I would have to put a lot of empathy, right? So that would be my my gift to you as a human with all of this insight. It's like my brain is augmented, but I have to put my um, empathy and creativity in being there for you as um, um, as an expert in my field, but also as a human being. And you're gonna kind of come out from that room, and you're gonna. You're going to be a super happy patient with a bad diagnostic because you think that uh, I've given you some hope, right? That's part of being getting better. Uh, I'm giving you the, the 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 vision of of being uh, having a lot of knowledge and also putting my expertise and my intuition in, into it. Awesome. Um- and, and let's go through some more topics. We have so many, we can't cover them all, but let's, let's try to keep like five minute max or something. Not, yeah. And then in short, I think we can expand a bit more. Uh, but if we move to the next one, Anna, which could be the data ownership that you mentioned. And um, let me take like a devil's advocate kind of approach for, for you here uh, and, and see how you react to it. But um, let me see like this. Um, I think we all use like Google and Bing and other search engines and, and think they provide huge value for us in being able to augment our brains and get knowledge and facts very quickly, uh, right? And uh, then we get ads, you know, as that's potentially bad, but it could potentially bring value as well. I don't know. Would you, um, by providing data to, let's say, Google or Microsoft uh, in their search engines, um, be willing to give the data to get better ads while having to search for knowledge. So the alternatives are this. Um, either you, you, you remove all the cookies, for example, you use some kind of privacy uh, yeah, um, you have different mode browsers. In, yeah, so, so they never can track you in any way and doesn't pro- provide any like data about you. And then you get ads that are completely uh, impersonal. Or the alternative is that you allow cookies and you allow um, these companies to have data about you, and then you get ads that are much more relevant for you that potentially can provide value in, you know, these ads could actually be useful for me. Oh, it's well, all in the trust. Yeah. It boils down to the trust, right? Do I, do I trust how this company is dealing with my data? Then I will give them more because then I, the, the personalization is a value that I, I think is the price for personalization is not so big to take. But if I don't trust them, I think the price to give personalization is, is that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a currency. So, so it's, it's, so you can see it in different buckets. I would give my data for uh, my, ch- so, so say that someone says to me, um, I'll, I'm going to have your ch- child's movement data. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> 
No, I'm going to have your child's movement data because we're going to build this um, play yard in a more safe environment. Mm. Uh, yes, I will give it to you for free. Okay, so I want to have your data. I'm going to, um, you're going to buy for my service and I'm going to use your data to profit. No, you're not. You are going to pay me. Aha, uh -huh, okay, maybe, maybe not. And now we're like... Um, bargaining for the value of data. So you have mm. like different accounts for different value because our data is, is valued in different buckets, right? So let's take another example, like mm. Spotify or Netflix. And um, now um, you have the choice to not provide any data to them at all and you get horrible recommendations for what song to listen to or movie to, to watch. Uh, and, and you have to pay them in any case. So you know? I've talked to someone in within the music business saying that... The for you know, I have worked at Spotify for a long time as well. So if you don't know. Whew. So so what they say is that the consumption of uh, music is uh, somewhat being distorted by Spotify because you want to push new things all the time. And uh, I can relate to that because the goal like i want to talk about buddhism because buddhism the goal is not the end it's the process and the suffering so all of the ai it's an mit re review article on that uh, all the most of the 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 ai frictionlessness goals is to like reduce suffering and to make it smooth right but that's our western culture so uh, that is something that we need to think about that um, the smoothness and the way that we go about things and the way that we want to have everything yeah gim i want to have it i want to have the ads i want to have everything i want to have it so i can buy i want to have it so it's easy for me to to learn more and more i want more in my head more 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 yeah i'm uh, Oh, maybe. Oh, I, mean, I think what you said makes a lot of sense saying, you know, it's all about trust. I mean, you may trust Spotify having your list of previous songs no, that you listen to, no. right? Or Sorry, I want to, I want to criticize this because if I would, I would listen to the same uh, record by Neil Young if to make me happy. Like mm. I have one record. I just want to listen to that. Mm. So that makes me feel good. What doesn't make me feel good is to have, I mean, what I'm saying is that the click, the more, the diverse, the tailored is not, and that's what I want to talk about Buddhism, that it's not the always everyone's and goal to listen to the latest to explore that field no i want to explore argentine tango music i want to go like but when i the, put my team together i want them to be as diverse as possible i do not want uh, a filtered bubble recommendation but, but, for but, my but, taste. but here are many interesting things and i'm not the spotify guy so it's better i take it yeah, because but keep it short now we because you know you, you can get you can you can use spotify many different ways so one example could be if you are extremely niched in terms of what your music taste is, uh, Argentinian folk music. Uh, before Spotify, there was know, no I've way in this. hell. I know, of course, it's beautiful, but so, let's take it not to the extreme because I, the creativity process and the way that we consume it, it's fine. But 
let me the one saying I'm a nerdy one and I want all in this. I can't, like, I don't want to opt into that. I want to opt out. <laughs> and I think that should be an option. Always, yeah, option, always option, option, option. in or so, so basically, you should be able to I'm, use. I'm going to keep my CD record. No, but, it, it's, but it's interesting. I'm okay. look, this, I'm is, this, is a, this is a hint to Spotify. People should be able to have Spotify as the best search engine on their terms, Buddhism, explore music without any recommendations. So you can use it like that. And then you can pl flick on the recommendations if you want to find alternatives. Yep. Yep. So we are different flavors for different. We have to question the Western way of more and more and on every aspect. Yeah, I'm going to yoga more. I'm going to meditate more, like everything <laughs> to optimize it. Like, mm. like let's go through. Uh, now, this is a red wine discussion. I'm get, getting off track. <laughs> actually very much into Buddhism and, and doing, you know, meditation. And I do but that it's every interesting day, when but, you go but, down but this Maybe rabbit. you don't do enough. Ah, uh, true. But that's uh, yeah, a question. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I wish we could speak much more about this. But for some people, at least, would you agree that recommendations of do course. provide a value? Oh, my God. Think about, uh, like, the, the positive... Um, externality in society like who would I be or who would we be without Spotify it's the most beautiful tale of all I yeah. love it but I want us to in to question that the, the targeting of goals in everything we do with AI and recommendations cool Agree. I think that's a summary yes. that's a good summary and we, we have let's now go at least yeah, we, we need to go to the nature nature article yes so let, let me give a quick intro and then I'd love to hear you explain a bit how this got started. Uh, you worked with Max Tegmark and, and, and Virginia and so many other people with this article. And I can just say, you know, I, I use this so many times when I speak about AI, which I think it's super beautiful, but sometimes I actually get critique about this article as well. Um, but <laughs> not, let me skip my intro and let just, you know, you explain a bit more. What, what's this you know, article? What, yeah. what, what is how it? How did it get started? People on, if, who hasn't does. know anything about it, what is it and how did it get started? Okay, so, so if, is AI good or bad? So one thing we can, um, like, relate it to is the United Nations uh, Social Development Goals. SDGs. SDGs. So we all work towards these and it's really, um, it's a good way. Of it's the new black, you know, SDGs is the new black. Yeah. I like that. That's a new t-shirt, Goran. SDGs are the new black. So you can't like criticize us from having that as like the, the world that as we should strive for it. So thinking about AI is AI leading us to this good world. Or is it leading us to a backyard? Is it a disabler or an enabler, enabler. of achieving Beautiful. the SDGs? Simple question. Very good question. And we didn't, the article is not about saying yes or no. It's a saying, what research do we have or see today that enables that shows that AI is an enabler for achieving this, one of these 17 goals. And what research articles, academic, do we have showing results that it's not? 
Like and just to give a bit more background for people who don't know about uh, the yeah. SDGs, etc. But this is the Agenda 2030 set up by UN for like yeah, five years ago or something, I think, right? So how, um, how many goals um, is it? 70. 70. But there's sub-goals, so there's 200 and... 169 targets. Yeah. So, so you, you and basically makes a statement, what do we want as a sustainable... 169. 169 goals in 12 categories. 17. In 17 categories, sorry. That basically highlights a sustainable earth in, in all aspects. Could you, could you simplify it like that? Well, so we took the 17 goals and we had economy, environment and society. Mm-hmm. So three categories, yes. 17 goals, 169 targets right. that we want to make. So, so th- this approach, the, the beauty of this article is the approach to go ahead and say, what can we show research-based um, that enables these goals and which are they? And what can we show that is being researched about that disables it. Mm. So it's not the reality, it's what's been researched, trying to show the reality. Um, And then we made, um, we, 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 I had the the goals related to to economics um, and uh, not all of them tasked, but we divided them uh, into our niches. So all of the authors got uh, like a part of the targets? A package yes. each. Yeah. Yes. And then we, the, the work we did was um, for every task, 169 targets, that we were yeah. targets that we were um, um, assigned to do, we scanned the research literature and we read the articles um, that would prove as a disabler or a enabler. I mean, for the economic and productivity-wise and, and employment-wise, that was very important and interesting for me because, of course, there's productivity gains um, from AI. I mean, productivity, uh, when you say labor and capital, that's that's a, a net effect that is uh, an enable enabler, but it's also making a polarized world and social tension would in the long run not be good for economic growth and job creation. And when it comes to, to, um, to job creation, it could be that, I mean, the, the sharing economy, it's like a, um, an, an, a light um, shining on everything, every skill, every person that is idle and activating that. So that could lead, you know, to a, a, a lot of activity with people having skills that would not be activated before. Uh, and also like educational wise, when it comes to skilled labor, uh, the, the, the tailored or the personalized uh, education and um the the mocks <laughs> the MOOCs and everything with the, the serial marginal cost of getting uh, education and that would also be an enabler uh, hence what I said what 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 my your task that you looked at yeah that was that but but I mean my my reflection on that yes. is that the work on on AI ethics and the work on also we the the AI and gender as a that's a tricky one because you know 
um, when it comes to 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 um, poor countries, there's a lot of when it comes to education and 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 uh, education on sexual reproduction and I mean there's a lot of information um on it but then again skill bias make it makes it uh, go the other way around so I I I I think what my reflection is that there is not enough research on AI and gender and it's not uh, enough research on the a sustainable long-term negative economic aspects um, of AI if not handled uh, in a sustainable manner. But you wanted to come to the environmental part of it, and that's really interesting because uh, there uh, are... Not necessarily, but, no. but it would be fun if you just backtrack a bit, you know, how did it get started? Who, who, take the, who oh, took the initiative? And, and, Ricardo Vinyosa at yeah. the KTH University. He's also affiliated to the center. He's, a real, he's extremely passionate and, and uh, he's an, uh, really... He's excellent in his task. So what they did this... There's an informal team at KTH who who engage in this in this topic of of AI on and the SDGs and they kind of find out like in the AI um, faculty or community you know, you just going a bit side outside of that like just glancing into the counter um, the gray zones and to other faculties you find a lot of um, it, it's it's like ai been working on its own here in a silo and just peeking out the value you cre- can create by stepping between faculties and working with research like that is extremely valuable for for publication and for your academic career but the 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 people in this group are extremely um, passionate and, and and competent but ricardo and francesco is actually the ones that has been the the souls and that the must have been so much work to to get this to put all this together right how how was the process because it's always tricky to work on a paper very a lot of a, a big team yeah and and here we also have the fundamentals of quite diverse Entry point, environment, economics, AI as, as the core discipline. So what was the working process here? The uniqueness of this was the structure. I mean, you ha- we had lists and, but like, and, and this is the work of Ricardo. He's brilliant and just systematizing it in the, the, the shared documents and making it easy for me in my my work to kind of dig through it, you know, just digging and digging and digging. So you got, you had, you had a structured approach also to how to search and find and categorize and to map it all out. Right. So you could then work focused to analyze the text rather than do, because the, the, the search activity is quite huge. Yeah. And it's only academic articles, so it doesn't really show them that's where the gap is, where, where, mm. where I see that there could be like. So the sources was was is find on archive or how, how did you find the source? Yeah. yeah. So you know the time is almost running out here, and and for people that haven't read the article, how would you summarize the findings of the article? Well, the research shown that AI is an enabler of the AI sustainability goals. Do you want to show them? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So the the on the left side you see the 
the the positive impacts and then the the negative impacts and going for example as i said the economy um there are some uh, 10 do you want to go to 10 the negative impacts yeah. was it one of the categories that were more yeah. posit positively impacted by AI no the other way around yeah there um reduced inequalities yeah so so that's the out, negative out, impact of yeah it. But mm. out of the three categories like uh, economy environment and society i guess it was was it one of them that had a stronger positive impact of ai than yeah let's go up it's environment yeah, yeah i think you can see it on the on yeah, the on the on the spider chart but i think the spider chart is good yeah, yeah. It, uh, cool. and you just follow the spider chart. You can sort of see where where does it stand out. Cool. So okay. So environment, you know, had the strongest positive impact, and, and economy. Can you give some examples of the potential negative impact that AI could have? I, I can guess, but yeah. Yeah, that's what? the inequality. Inequality. The, yeah. the time. The ten is inequality. So yeah, I just wanted to scroll down to yeah, that. Yeah, I see. That makes a lot of sense. The time is now running out, and I. Uh, <sighs> We have so many more. We questions. can make it a three-hour session uh, <laughs> that we love to um, oh, cover. I, because this is to close the cycle here, because uh, or the yeah, okay. because you said there needs to be when it comes to environment. So mm. we need to have when it comes to recycling and the the right. circle economy. Yeah. So we need other incentives and targets for Absolutely. for the the companies. Can, that can actually affect and, and change the world. So it's just, how, what are you talking about? What do you measure? How can yeah. you dif measure it differently? I think we should bring you thing. and Matthias, the professor, yes. you know, and he's professor in circular economy and, and just have a session about that and, and see what we can come up with. Yeah, we have I one think podcast with the theme of circular economy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would be fun. And I wish we could have more time with you right now as well. But this is yeah, two hours. I know you this have to go hours. home to your kids as well, and uh, we have to let you go, so to speak. But before we do that, uh, perhaps you can just mention uh, what's next in your life. No, so... so next in just generally, personally, commercially, or prof professionally? Uh, in so professionally, months. things are happening. Like, we're really taking... Um, a step towards um, strengthening our offering to organizations. Mm. Um, personally, it's just the best time to ha hang out with my kids. Um, yeah. Awesome. And uh, if you were to recommend someone to be on this podcast, do you have any specific persons in yeah. mind? So Sophia Benz is an you know her, she's an angel investor and she's partnered at Sherry. She owns the femtech area and the femtech area is, of course, innovations driven by AI. So I encourage you also to lead, to read the book um, The Invisible Women because that amplifies in AI that women hasn't been part of research. So we're kind of visible. Using data with uh, with male behavior and preferences will always, um, uh, will never get us equal so we just need to be awake on that part but Sophia Benz is a is, a, is um one of the world's most um uh, kind persons but she also an excellent investor and angel investor so I would recommend her on this part so that would be very interesting for many aspects yeah. you know the uh, women in tech but also we haven't had 
any investor perspectives on the mm. podcast yet. Yeah. So that is to have the angel investor perspective and discuss AI would in itself also be very, very nice. Good idea. And she's one of the, the core people started Spotify. So yeah, yeah. you can talk about that. Good point. Good point. Thank you. Thank you. It's much. been so nice. And it goes so fast, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we have a chance to, to continue the discussion. Yeah, no one has points. been listening, right? So. Ah. Oh, yeah. No, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will have the difficult uh, task of trying to chunk this up into small, interesting topic of discussions later that we can publish yeah. as well. But uh, it, yeah, we'll try to do the best we can with that. But it's been a true pleasure yeah. to have you here. It's been so, just time has been flying. And yeah, and to talk and go down rabbit holes to be allowed. Yes. Isn't that cool? Yes, where it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's weird how, how long format still is not long enough. So no, it's interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Cool. cool. I wish you the very best um, new year 2021. Like and I hope it will be better in many aspects. But it's been great to have you here and start off the new season that we have. Yeah. Thank Thank you. Well, what you a so kick-ass much. start to the season. Yes. Thank you, Anna. Thank you so much. Yeah.